Off the ball, breakfast with Optimum Nutrition, the official performance nutrition partners of the Gaelic Players Association and Leinster Rugby. Uh, but we are turning our attention back to the football. Rachel O'Sullivan from Girls on the Ball is on the line. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, we want to talk to you about, about the Ireland draw. We'll do that maybe in a little bit. But uh, the WSL action this weekend is worth getting into to begin with, including the Sky game tomorrow midday, Man City against Everton. And City with obviously that very good recent record against Everton uh, coming into the game with the Chelsea memories fresh-ish. Uh, I suppose in their minds with the international break notwithstanding. Um, it's not as if they've shaken Chelsea in the league, but they are laying out their credentials now on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, I think there's actually a really interesting stat. I think it's the last time that Chelsea lost to both Arsenal and Man City in the league was 2016, and that was when Man City won the league. So that's an interesting one because that's exactly what's happened to them this season. Um, I think Man City are currently one of the most consistent teams. Um, they're on a very good run of, of winning games. And you look at the teams in and around them and they've all dropped points. So they're looking very dangerous right now. Yeah, and that uh, Chelsea win that I touched on there, City hadn't won at Kings Meadow for the best part of a decade, scored early in the game and... and um, Probably a lot of teams against that opposition are bracing themselves, right? Like, you know, the onslaught is coming here at some point and uh, it did come, obviously, for a little bit. Um, but they, they held out for a team who were miles off it last year. It feels like a major step forward for them. Like, step enough to be contenders or what are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of us probably thought Chelsea had it nailed on a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I think now, given... Given Man City have gotten that win, it was a nervy win. They probably sat on that 1-0 lead for a little bit too long um, and it was a very nervy second half. But I think getting that getting that kind of win for the first time in a long time, I think it's something like 33 home games or something that Chelsea are unbeaten. Um, it, it's going to be massive for them and it, it will it will say to that squad, we are good enough to win this league. And and I think as well, the fact that they're leaking so few goals, they're very, very hard to score against. Um, it's going to give them a huge boost. Looking at the fixtures, you'd have to think that City are going to pick up points, Chelsea are going to pick up points, and then Arsenal have the big North London derby against Spurs on Sunday at half 12, which didn't go too well for them earlier on in the season. And I know we're kind of in and out about whether they're still title contenders. Numerically, they are still in it, and this is going to be a big result for them that they'll have to get something out of. But are Arsenal at the stage where you think they can get a result against Spurs? They generally do, but just with the result earlier on in the season, there's a bit of a question mark over it. Yeah, I think before we'd never really have questioned would Arsenal get a result from Spurs. I know they got that draw back in, I think it was 2019 maybe, and Arsenal scored very late in that game. But suddenly a lot of these games now aren't, you know, what they used to be done and dusted for Arsenal. They're losing to teams that you wouldn't expect them to lose against, losing to West Ham, losing to Liverpool, losing to Spurs. Um, you know, you look at the squad as well, Lacasse, D'Angelo, Fox, they're not available through the Gold Cup. Still waiting here on Miedema and Palova as well. They're a doubt, um, you know, whether Williamson will be back fit. She wasn't before the, the camp. I know McKay went off with that uh, strain. Illestep was sick beforehand. You know, so I'm, I'm keen to get this press conference done today to find out what the state of the team is because that's another thing that won't go in their favour coming up against Spurs, who will be incredibly confident. Um, I would say Spurs have been a little bit less 
creative than they they were at the beginning of the season. They were creating huge numbers of chances in games. I think they they had something like 17 chances created against Chelsea um, in the first game of the season. And they kind of maintained that level of creativity as the as the league the season went on. But they've dipped off a little bit now. And I think that might be, I mean, look, it only takes one goal and that's all it was the last time they played. But I think that's something that, you know, might be a little bit of concern for Robert Villahan. Yeah, I think Eileen Gleeson said after the Ireland game anyways that Katie McCabe, it was just a titan she felt. So for any Arsenal fans listening, hopefully that is all it was and it wasn't anything bigger. And as you said, find out a little bit later on. Is it harder for Arsenal to get up for games like this? I know it is three points, but it does feel like they've let things slip a little bit. I don't think it will be now that they lost. I think that loss against Spurs um, will have hurt. And I think they'll be well up for this one. I think Arsenal have proven that they play better when they're under the cosh. They play better when they're struggling for numbers. And I think that's perhaps the case. Um, I think that inconsistency this season has probably been the biggest frustration for Arsenal fans. You know, you can see them come out and play some unbelievable football against Chelsea, absolutely dominate, and then not be able to put the ball away against your West Ham's, your Liverpool's. Um, I don't think this will be a difficult one for them to get up for because they know now they have to win every game. If they want to be with, in any chance of winning the league, they have to win every game. They're going to have to play Chelsea and Man City again before the end of the season. And, and that will only take them level on points. So they can't afford to be dropping off um, in any of these games, especially the ones they'd be expecting to win. You've spent the last week in sunny Marbella as we're sitting in a very snowy Dublin this morning, Rachel, and you got the chance to see England play. They obviously absolutely trashed Italy, who Ireland had drew with earlier on in the week. Um, and you got to see a bit more of Lauren James up close. She won Footballer of the Year at the London Football Awards last night. In terms of the draw next week, uh, how worrying is it the potential of Ireland getting a team like England or Spain or whoever it may be? Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you're you're up in this League B. You know, you've got the potential of playing these um, these big names and these very good teams. Um, yeah, there's a few names in there I definitely want to avoid. I wouldn't want to be coming up against Spain. Um, Netherlands have been a bit inconsistent. Germany have been a bit inconsistent. France, while they had been the only team unbeaten when they went into the Nations League final, looked really flat against mm. Spain um, and very little creativity up front. Um, not that I'm saying, you know, they're a good option, but I think if you're going to look at who to get from the, the League A group winners, I'd just like to avoid Spain. Um, I think, you know, teams like Austria, Austria feel like they've regressed quite a bit. They used to be a team very difficult to break down. That wasn't the case against England. Um, you know, Denmark sometimes struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Italy, very inconsistent, um, really poor against against England. So, yeah, I think I prefer one of those three over England, I'll be honest. Um, England were very free-flowing. Um, again, something they've been struggling with was scoring in the last few windows, and that was absolutely not a problem this time around. Yeah, I was looking at the different groups, and Karen Duggan and I were talking about it on Koi Gig on Tuesday. What day? No, sorry, Wednesday. I'm trying to remember what day the match was on. We recorded the next day. And I think if I was to have a dream group, it would probably be Germany, uh, Germany, Austria or Denmark. And then Iceland, I think, and us. Because I think like the, our, our style of play is probably more suited to like uh, Germany, Austria, Denmark than it is like the Spanish technical ability and just their general star power and World Cup winning ways. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd agree. And I'd, I'd want to avoid teams like Belgium. You know, they've mm. actually started to, I've been really impressed with them over the last few camps. They're very good against England. They did well in, in that their group with uh, some tough opposition. So I wouldn't want to be drawn against Belgium. Um, Norway finding their feet under a new manager. Sweden, you know, they've been a bit up and down as well. Um, they'll be very pleased they won that playoff, dominated that playoff, which was no real surprise. But yeah, I think that'll probably be the the best of a, <laughs> a bad lot, I guess. Best of a complicated lot. Belgium are an interesting <laughs> one because I remember watching them play in Wolverhampton against England in one of the warm-up games for the Euros and thought they were really at the time but then since then they've just come on leaps and bounds <clears throat> and it does go to show the exposure to those bigger higher level games how much it does benefit we kind of saw it on Wednesday against Wales whenever Ireland played them the fact that they had been playing at that higher level compared to us I think did make a massive difference in the end I know you were at the England game so you didn't see it but is is there a world where we go into this and we get absolutely hammered in the group and then still make a playoff and it's still viewed as a good thing? I I would, it's possible. I think we have to factor that in. I know we all got really excited, obviously making the World Cup, doing so well in League B, but you have to factor in that Ireland should have won that group. You know, you just don't want to get ahead of yourself, right? So you're winning these games comfortably, you're looking good, but you do have to factor in. You're now going to have to go up against some some big teams, some good teams, um, and that's where the the kind of proof's in the pudding, if you like. I think the fact that Ireland have this confidence, have managed to play teams where they could score, teams where they could try new things, they weren't constantly under loads and loads of pressure will be really valuable for them. The Wales game, for me, not necessarily a bit of an anomaly, but I don't think that big of an issue, you know, missing players. It's hard, you know, you've had all of these games that have meant something. Every game has meant something. And then you come to these friendlies and you're a bit kind of, oh, we can kind of breathe again almost. Um, so I think the Italy result, I think getting a draw out of them was a very good thing. I think the fact that missing some some key midfielders, the fact that Lou Quinn couldn't play a whole match, you know, stuff like that, just little things like that that um, would have played a part. So, yeah, I mean, if they make a playoff, great. I mean, ideally, we're now saying, right, you need to make a major tournament. <laughs> once you get there, once you're kind of, that's the that's the bar you've set, right? And I think I'd, I really want Ireland to not go down the route of your Northern Ireland's, your Scotland's, where you make a major tournament and then you just take your foot off the gas and you keep missing out. Um, that's the thing I'd be worried about. It does sort of feel <clears throat> as well like they're, they've got to a position, Catherine, where they're, they don't really, like, they're not going to be looking at the draw today going, like, clearly there are teams that we would like to avoid, but mm. at the same time, like, they don't really feel, and they've performed really well, probably up their game against some of the better teams as well, and obviously the World Cup wasn't what it was, but they're not going to be, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but they ain't going to be fearing anybody. They're at that level now. I don't think so. And I think in some ways we actually find it easier to go up against teams that are slightly better than us, the classic Irish underdog mm. mentality. When we played Italy on Friday we had such a calmness and a maturity on the ball. We weren't afraid to patiently build up and take our moments, which was totally absent against Wales, who were the team that we probably should have been at a similar enough standard to. It was interesting that any time you asked any of the players, half-jokingly, half-serious, you know, who, who would you like mm. to play? Do you want to face England? It would be great to see Spain. None of them gave an answer. Okay. Not one. It was like they had all been coached mm. not to say who they want to go up against. And you thought even some of them, you could name, say, specific players that they would play with and say, would you like to go up against mm. then? It'd be a bit of fun. Nothing. It was Deadpan. completely stonewalled. So I, I'd say with the 
caliber of teams that are in there, they're probably looking at it and looking at it as a hard draw no matter what. And for that reason alone, they're probably not thinking about it too much and just thinking we have to get to this point. That's kind of what Denise O'Sullivan was saying when we interviewed her for Koi Gig during the week. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to I would actually, in some ways, love to get a Spain or an England and have a big day out in the Aviva. Oh, yeah. Pay to see Tana Balmati just kick a ball around the pitch for 90 minutes. The Ireland team doesn't even need to go out on the pitch. We'll just like let her have a little showcase and we can all sit there and enjoy it. I think, <laughs> there's um, no easy draw. That's the main thing. no easy draw. Mm. And I, I, I would... Let's let's have Spain. Let's you know we'll do them for you tomorrow. Is that the? Way I mean, we look at it? Italy did beat them three two. So yeah. you never. Know. They struggle. They struggle with teams as well that are low blocks. You know they can pass around you all they like. It's 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 the conversion that's that's been the issue I think in the past for Spain. Now I don't want to completely jinx myself and have them put eight past us, but mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Ireland could be pretty sound defensively. That's an area they're good at. So it'd be it'd be fun, and I think realistically we're going to be aiming for second place. Playoff great, but. It's, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to top that group. Let's put it that way. The, sorry, Rachel. The, the Lauren James question came up that uh, Catherine mentioned, obviously, Player of the Year, and she didn't, I don't think, start for England in the most recent games, and Serena Vigman has come out to say that... I mean, it felt like her comments were sort of saying, well, she's just not... It's competitive. There are people that are better than her at the minute. Has she not kicked on since last year, or what's your view on where she's at? No, currently? I think... I think this this window was always going to be used to for rotation for England. They finally have a window where there's no pressure on the games. You know, they actually have time to see players and bring players in before the next lot of Nations League uh, European qualifiers. Um, so it was important for Serena Wiegmann to see players and, and play players in different positions. There was quite a bit of versatility uh, in, in the way some players were playing, the positions they were playing. So yes, of course, she's going to say it's about competition, but I also think it's about loading. She's factoring in a lot of these players who played a lot of minutes for club. You know, Lauren James is playing in Champions League, still in the Cups, playing in the league. Um, so I think a lot of it is going to be down to rotation. She's still arguably one of the best players in England at the moment. So, um, you know, she's been moved around a little bit at Chelsea playing central. She's playing out wide for England. Um, and obviously England have a lot of quality on the on the width. So, yeah, I, I, it's a bit of both. But I think, at, let's be real, she's, she is one of the best, England's best players. So it's, um, it's I think, going to lean towards more of a loading thing. Okay. The... the um a uh, Tottenham game that Kathleen you can do it Adrian um, <laughs> Tottenham game that Kathleen mentioned about earlier on in December was the first time I read yesterday that um, I hadn't realised at the time Mead, Russo beat him all on the pitch at the um, Mead him all on the pitch at the same time uh, and then I was sort of thinking about like our, the depth of options that Arsenal have are off the charts and I thought well they're definitely the best deepest squad uh in the WSL, and then I'm sort of looking at Chelsea. Uh, mm-hmm. Over to the experts. Are they the best squad in the WSL? Um, I still think Chelsea probably hit them, but I think Arsenal, have, I feel like, uh, are yet to manage their squad depth in the same way that Chelsea do. I think Chelsea have, are excellent at managing their squad depth. Um, you know, I think sometimes we've seen Jonas Eideville will do a kind of, just put all the forwards on sometimes. Do you know, almost like he's a bit unsure of what the best position is for everyone at what time. Um, I think he's gotten better at playing players together. I really enjoyed Mead, Miedema, Russo on the pitch at the same time. Um, we're not probably going to see that at the weekend. I don't think Miedema will play. Um, but yeah, you look at that squad and you say that squad is absolutely stacked. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he keeps everyone happy when, 
you know, they got knocked out. That was a squad for the Champions League, right? That was a squad built to go far in the Champions League and they fell at the first hurdle. So it'd be really interesting to see how he manages it for the rest of the season and then into into next season as well. That's I think, yes, obviously they want to win the league, but Champions League spots is an absolute must for Arsenal. Rachel, next week we're doing an Irish women's sport, Mount Rushmore, all week. From Monday to Thursday, we're going across different sports and then we're going to finish it off next Friday with the ultimate four Irish women in sport, Mount Rushmore. So we're debating it internally so far like we have, you know, Katie Taylor, Shoe and Shorty. For many, Sonia Sullivan is in. Not for everyone, but for many, Sonia Sullivan is in. That's a dig at me, Rachel. Uh, You could argue for Rachel Blackmore. There's actually so many, like it really quickly adds up. The one debate we're having internally is who's the football Mount Rushmore? for Irish women's sport? God. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people would immediately go to a Katie McCabe or mm. Denise O'Sullivan, but you look at someone like an Emma Byrne or, you know, I just, players that have, I think sometimes we talk a lot about what they do on the pitch and I think you can't forget about what they've done off the pitch to get teams to where they are and, and the shoulders that these current players stand on. So you'd probably have to look back a bit, I think. Someone like an Emma Byrne, you know, she's an Arsenal legend, never mind, you know, an Ireland legend as well. Um, so maybe someone like that, but I just, there's a lot of, a lot of names I think you could go back to um, that I think the game probably wouldn't be where it was if it wasn't for them. Mm. She's, she feels to me to be, I, you're absolutely right. And I think if anything over the last couple of years, the uh, uncovering of the stories behind those people has been um, a journey for us all and uh, and a really fascinating one but Emma Byrne I do think like I mean the, the what about uh, Olivia, Olivia, ever... Olivia Toole uh, Linda Gorman I, look I know, I know I know what you're saying and there's Mifahi, a bit of a reason to as Emma was Mifahi, pointing like, out yeah. last night like I actually we were both saying last night that we can't believe we didn't think about her in all the conversations we were yeah. having All-Ireland winner <clears throat> Liverpool captain multiple WSL mm. titles multiple cups you know and then you look She's at someone like Emma Byrne and her face is on the side of the Emirates. Like, How many the, the, Ireland players can say they've yeah. had their face on the side of a big English stadium like also, that? Also, uh, you know, when you're with Emma at Ireland Games, the uh, respect mm. that... She, I remember when that some of the <clears throat> qualifiers before the uh, World Cup with her and some of the friendies before the qualifiers and seeing the... Uh, like, it was really amazing how the current mm. team would flock to her as a... a Men, a mensch of some sort like you know well when we qualified for the World Cup nearly every player mentioned her in their post-match mm. commentary and that has to stand for something I think it was right? Nathan like, over there with her and mm. he said people were just running for her on the side yeah. of the pitch which I think says a lot I think maybe in a couple of years depending on how it goes internationally and with Arsenal if they get a Champions League title or a couple of WSL titles under their belt Katie probably will come into that conversation because she was also pivotal in getting them equal pay um, but I think for the moment, for me now, anyways, not to have any spoilers for next week, Emma's probably a little bit higher. Mm. Plus, as a Koi, former Koi Gig Pod yeah, member, I need a little bias in there somewhere. <laughs> you're obliged by contract. Um, let's touch a little bit on West Ham and United, Rachel. United obviously hanging on to the coattails at the top three. West Ham aren't in that conversation at all, but they do have the ability, as they showed against Arsenal last month, to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, they do. They are incredibly inconsistent. I've seen quite a bit of them this season, West Ham, and I've actually been really impressed with what Rian Skinner has been bringing into the squad. Like there was a notable change. They had they developed a, a style of football. You could see what they were trying to do. I think they've been unlucky with some results where they absolutely should have got something out of the game, if not won it. I think back to Aston Villa, to the Bristol game, to the Tottenham game. They were games that they were well and truly in and, and just lost it at kind of the last... Seeing a game out, I guess. So... 
yes, they're down in 10th, but I feel like their performances warrant them to be a little bit higher. Um, I think the main thing for them is just continuing to put as, as many points between them and Bristol City. I know they're five points off, but should Bristol win this weekend, we might come to that. They're playing Brighton, who are just above them. If they win, they're clawing themselves back up again and they're bringing that relegation zone ever closer to West Ham and Brighton. I don't know if Manchester United is the game where West Ham are going to get those valuable points. Um, But Man United are another team that have been quite inconsistent this season. Yeah, all right. We'll leave it there for the minute. Uh, I know you have some press conferences to get to as well. Rachel Sullivan, girls on the ball. Thanks a million. Thank you.